to another Zelda podcast. I'm David Geisler, your host, and we have a special little bonus episode for you here. Um, a few weeks ago, TC DeWitt of Studio Demands It was in Chicago for work, and we took the opportunity to record an episode for his show, Studio Demands It. Also, most of you listeners actually heard TC join me in the Well Excuse Me episode that we had just about two episodes ago here on another Zelda podcast. Whenever TC and I cross paths, we try to at least record a little something for each other's shows. Anyway, um, this year I was tasked to be a guest on his show, and the topic was the. Rec- so, if you don't, if you aren't familiar with Studio Demands, it it's a podcast where TC and Jim Brzezelik, they are two screenwriters and filmmakers in Chicago, <laughs> in California. Pardon me, I was thinking about the C. Um, they do a show where audience members uh, go to their website, studiomancy.com, and submit demands for films. Ideally, bad ideas almost. You know, the the trope of the big studio asking for an idea that's artistically a really bad idea. TC and Jim try to tackle said ideas and try to write something that's at least interesting or even good sometimes. And uh, occasionally, they have great success. And uh, once in a while, they they stumble and fall, and 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 our listeners are there with them all the way. The listeners are there with them all the way. It's always a great, entertaining uh, celebration of screenwriting. Every single episode they do on Studio demands it. So uh, last year, or at least in season two, I think, I think in season two, um, I did a thing where I was on Studio demands it as a guest, and TC and I tried to come up with an idea for a Zelda film. And I put the first half of that episode on our Another Zelda podcast feed, which it's on this feed right here that you all are listening to. And then with a link to the actual episode over at Studio Demands It. So when we got together to record these episodes, I thought, well, what the heck? I'll do the exact same thing. So this is the first half of an episode titled The Legend of Zelda 3000. You're absolutely welcome to listen to it here. Or you can go jump on over to Studio Demands It right now and listen to the full file. I do have a link down in our description here for this episode that'll kick you right over to the Studio Demands It feed. Um, And actually, if you're a top-tier Patreon subscriber, our Magical Sword tier, um, I've also taken a video version of this episode. We did set up a camera in the corner of the room. And even though it's not another Zelda podcast episode, it's a Studio Demands It episode, I threw it into the Magical Sword tier feed as well. So you'll see TC and I in my office recording the episode for those folks. Anyways, if you're just a casual listener, you want to take a take a gander, take a listen, um, please enjoy the, the, the next you know 40 to 50 minutes of the first half of the Studio Demands It episode. We'll wrap it up at the end of the episode. I'll wrap it up. And um, I do invite you to go check out Studio Demands It. And I can't wait to see you back here with another another Zelda podcast episode. Thank you, everyone. Here we go. Let's cue it up. Hello and welcome to the studio demands it an exercise in creative thinking. We're right here live and on the spot. We will challenge ourselves to conceptualize pitch and craft a film based on the demands and stipulations from one of you fine listeners acting as a hypothetical Hollywood overlord. We talk movies all the time. Do you want to do Jim's catchphrase right there? All the time. Thank you. Good job. Wait, wait, if you want to start from the beginning, I'll, I'll cue it up. 
No, no, I mean that's fine. We can just do it. You, this is this is this is live, David. There is no editing. I feel like something like this happened last year. This is this is the studio demands it. We don't do editing. We don't do second takes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we talk movies all the time, all the time. And as avid cinephiles, we'd like to believe that we can meet the demands of any studio at least as good, if not better, than the poor saps working under the restrictions and demands of the bigwigs. Big wigs fronting the bills in Hollywood. We will be your screenwriters for this episode. I am TC DeWitt, and joining me, as you may have heard, is not uh, uh, Jim Brzezelic, but it is David, not Jim Brzezelic, Geisler from another Zelda podcast. Hello, David. Hi, TC. How are you? Did I throw you for a loop there by not giving you a second take? I Yes. No, I'm fine. I'm fine. It's, I'm it, good. I'm good. Let's just go. <laughs> Let's do it. It is important to me to, to do as much live recording as possible. There, there's... Yeah zero to none editing in these episodes yeah we do the same on another zelda podcast um it it kind of famously um i always mess up the first 10 seconds of every another zelda podcast (laughs) episode (laughs) and so i always kind of get that first one sentence out that i mess up and then we regroup for five seconds and then we go but besides that we really don't edit anything there have been a couple times here and there where we've edited out like a piece of furniture falling because a dog or cat has knocked it over. Sure, sure. But other than that, we really don't stop too much on AZP. And I know you guys have the same format here. We, we've we've had a few instances of like dogs barking or like some police car going by. Yeah. <laughs> Usually, it's like just roll with it. Like the uh, there's a new podcast for Studio Demands it called Brothers in Law. The Brothers in Law. I'm yeah. aware. Yeah. It's, it's 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 cool. It's a cool little show. Yeah. And the, when they recorded their zero episode, which is what I usually request from a lot of podcasts that start doing stuff, it's like right. just record one to mm-hmm. see what it feels like and what it sounds like. Um, uh, Ryan and Mike, the two hosts of that show, they ended up uh, recording in their garage, um, I, I suppose, for some privacy. Mm-hmm. However, it resulted in a tremendous amount of, let's just call it city noise. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it was like every car that drove by was like... <sighs> oh, man, roll roll with it. It roll was with so it. prevalent in the episode yeah. that I almost thought maybe this is a character in the episode. Maybe oh, they yeah. actually do include the diegetic sound, but we ended up going more for a studio approach. Well, but anyway. I say, Ryan and Mike, take this into consideration as you're developing your show. I think maybe a live episode in a bar at some point. Oh, that'd be wonderful. Would be, would be pretty awesome. Yeah, that I, would be cool. Or, or a brewery. A brewery. Where they're trying it out. I don't know. Anyway, anyway, anyway. <laughs> That's this is Studio Demanded. This is Studio Demanded. So uh, so those of you who may have ventured over from another Zelda podcast, thank Ooh, you yeah. for joining us. Um, David, for our listeners here at Studio Demands It, who might not be aware of another Zelda podcast, give your give your elevator pitch for it real quick. Certainly. Another Zelda podcast is a show where a gal named Kate May and I um, talk about everything that is Zelda. It's when we first came up with the idea about we're a middle middle way halfway through our third season right now. But when we first came up with the idea back in like 2017 was, mm-hmm. the, was the beginning of season one. TC. Oh my gosh. Um, we truly genuinely thought, can we really do a can show you, just about Zelda? Can you go the distance on this? Well, when you look at how many games there are and how many topics you can talk about, it's it's been a pleasure, and we're not running we're not running light on topics yet. Mm-hmm. And now that we've built up a bit of an audience, the audience is really great about coming up with ideas of things they want to hear. So sometimes we'll do just a simple top ten episode, which is a, you know top ten. Well, I, actually, as of this recording, the most recent episode that's come out was top ten most bothersome baddies. <laughs> and so this was a very niche kind of episode, but it was about all the little enemies that you might find out on Hyrule Field that just 
just bug you. Yeah. And you're like, oh my gosh, why is this one here? It's nightfall. The darn bone guys are coming out the, again. The bone guys was one of them, the Skeltellas. Mm-hmm. Um, and also the River Zoras from the original Legend of Zelda were on there. They're the oh, ones that yeah. pop their head out of the water and just shoot fireballs at you Pew. constantly. Um, but then sometimes we do review episodes and occasionally we'll do just a single episode on like we will do like we'll just do a deep dive on all the music of Ocarina of Time. Great. So the topics are all over the place. It's a, it's a fantastic show. I'm I'm genuinely I never would have guessed three years ago that I'd be doing a Zelda podcast. I'm in love with making this podcast. Well, and I'm, I uh, I enjoyed last season where I guested. We talked about the silent protagonist and then you guessed on here and we discussed making a Zelda film. Uh, yeah, yeah. That yeah. was a really special experience. You and I were in the same town at the same time, so we yep. got together to do a crisscross. And um, and here we are again. Well, we did it again, didn't yeah, we? Because yeah. three or four, you were in town for work mm-hmm. um, here in Chicago for some some film work. Yeah. And we recorded a another Zelda podcast episode titled, I don't know what we ended up calling it. Oh, I know what we call it. <laughs> I titled it, Well, Excuse Me, me. Princess, (laughs) where in which you and I took a bit of a dive into the first three episodes of the Legend of Zelda TV show from the 1980s. And I think it was 1989 we ended up finding out, so late 80s. And we essentially just reviewed them and spoke about them. That was Mm -hmm. a lot of fun. And um, and here we are. So anyway, so if if you have ventured over from there, welcome. And if uh, for those of you listening, we've probably heard the commercial at least during the breaks. For oh my show. gosh, they have heard the commercial every <laughs> single flipping episode of this show. I hope it's helped. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Studio Demands It listeners. What what do you call you call you have your magical sword people? Yeah. What is that? What you call what do you call your listeners in general? Do you have a name for it yet? You know, it's starting to. We don't have a, an exact name. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like oh, the, but but. Casually, we do kind of are starting to refer to the so so also in season three here we've brought on a lot of new voices on the show. Sure, sure, sure. sure. Uh, Kate had some some schedule complications due to some family stuff, and so it would enabled us to bring on a lot of extra voices. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of calling those people the AZP crew. It's just it just happens naturally. It's the aptly titled AZP crew. And then through our Patreon supporters and our social supporters and everyone who listens, I mean, it's it's pretty simple. It's not too fancy. We're just kind of referring to them as our AZP family, and it's kind of becoming right, that yeah. way. You know what I mean? Jim and I call like our listeners the either our, the demanders or the studios. We kind of yeah, go back and forth. I think that's that. very so. apt. I think that's the right way to do it. Yeah, you know, yeah. something it's it's a little <laughs> bit different. Your show is just a little different for us. It's like people so many people tweet about their own personal experiences with zelda games that it does start to feel a little bit like a family wherein wherein uh the format for this show i think this um kind of pseudo this kind of meta idea that all these people are <laughs> pretending to be these hypothetical terribly yeah. demanding studios with terrible <laughs> ideas what we want I great ideas how dare you sir well, <laughs> and what's fun about it is everybody who submits they really i think they kind of get the bit um, a lot of the submissions that come in for this show, people are committing to the bit of pretending to be yeah. this studio that's demanding something ridiculous. Yeah, having uh, the demand that Sean Connery make an ex- an appearance in, <laughs> in Face, Face Off, Off Two. 2. Yeah. Remember that? <laughs> that was that was going on. in in in, uh, in Independence Day Two. You just had one where the demand was getting Will Smith back, like if you could afford him or something. I don't yeah, know. It was yeah. it was all over the place. Yeah. So I think the listeners of this show are a real treat. Well, I threw it out to knowing that this was a special episode. I threw it out to um, on Twitter to uh, some of our more uh, uh, hardcore listeners who've sent like multiple demands who've been who's been oh. with us along the way. So I targeted uh, specifically some of our long term listeners and said, "David's coming back." Yeah. Another Zelda podcast. David Geyser's coming back. What do What do we What do you throw some demands at me? I will look at them on the mm-hmm. day. Um, and I found I found I actually found one. A couple days early, yeah. I saw it. I filed it away. I wasn't going to look at it. 
I, I mentioned I messaged Jim just before we started recording here. Is this like, the one we're talking about tonight? Yeah, and this is what. what no, I want to note something. Yeah, when you and I got together a year ago, it was on the uh, you know the predication or whatever that we we kind of knew we'd be trying to talk about a Zelda film. Yep. we did our best to not think about what that would be exactly, but we obviously got together thinking, oh, wouldn't that be a fun crossover mm-hmm. tonight? I'm 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 actually pretty nervous. I legitimately have no idea what the you demand are, will you be. You are coming in cold here, and and. Every episode Jim and I do, there's always some new thing because it's always some new film that we're making. We don't do, we, we have callbacks to stuff we've done and, and, yeah. we, and we tend to break down things a certain way and I'll, I'll guide you through this experience. I have a secret agenda that I'm going to pose as um, one of your listeners and, sub, and request a sequel to one of the sequels you've done. Oh my gosh. So like Independence Day 3 or something, or I don't know what, but you know, like once in a while you guys will pitch up through four or five films right, of like series. We'll, we'll get a, we'll get a, do Home, get Alone, it to, Home Alone 3 and we're like, we could do three and four. Let's yeah, do it. Yeah. And I think Goonies might've gone that way too, but it doesn't matter. I can't recall exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, let's, let's get to our demand for this episode. Okay. So our success uh, as either podcasters or screenwriters has given us a growing collections of demands from studios literally all over the world. And these studios are you listeners who have submitted your requests over at studiodemandsit.com. You've hit me up on Twitter. You've hit us up on Facebook. You can send us any demand you like. Remake a movie better than what we got. Make a sequel that totally should exist. Give us a scenario and see what we do with it. Whether uh, you throw it, whatever you throw at us, we will have to make up something right here on the spot with zero preparation recorded live. Oof. You also get a chance to name your studio, and some of you have a lot of fun with that. So thank you, seriously, for everyone who has submitted this season. The amount of demands we've gotten this season is like triple what yeah. we got season one. So we're it's, our it's cup runneth off. over, and and we are genuinely thankful for that. So uh, there is an exponential curve. I see the analytics. There's an exponential curve <laughs> to the amount of people submitting, and it's truly exciting. Keep keep uh, throwing them at us and, until we uh, we come up with such a dud we feel like we need to retire as filmmakers. It won't happen. <laughs> well, let's see what happens today. Oh, no. This comes from Jordan at Broken Arrow to the Head Studios. Broken Great Arrow time. to the Head. Is there something? No, no, I don't think no there's connection. any. Uh, I don't think there's any connection here. Sometimes there is. Okay, so here we go, David. Ready? Zelda. Oh. So you're you're in your safe zone here has consistently been set in a certain once-upon-a-time period. I am not aware that there has ever been a game or story set outside that period, except for Wind Waker, which still felt like the same era. Your challenge and the demand of our studio is to set a Legend of Zelda story 100 years into the future of the current continuity. Interpret this however you like, but this is not lasers and spaceships. This is steampunk. Good luck. Okay, so all right. So, Breath of the Wild is considered to be the most current in the timeline yeah. continuity, and it's still swords and arrows and magic. Well, ish, because Breath of the Wild. Okay. When we play Breath of the Wild, it is a it is a hundred years after the main narrative, which which it itself happens ten thousand years after anything in the Zelda timeline. Okay. So we are like way into the future. And the truth is, yes, it is. Breath of the Wild is swords and shields. Mm-hmm. But if you think about the, all the robots, we'll just call them, but you know, the, the guardians and everything, they use a mystical magic that is so well uh, defined or ingrained in the universe that it's almost considered a technology. Yes. In fact, in the backstory of Breath of the Wild, 
the part of the story that happens 100 years before when you play, mm-hmm. which coincidentally is going to be somewhat depicted in this new, uh, the prequel that's coming out, Age of Calamity. Um, is that a new game? Oh, yeah, there's a new Zelda okay, game. Okay, okay. As of this recording, yeah. uh, Breath of the Wild, or Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity is coming out like in a month. Okay, okay. It's very exciting. Anyways, um, in, in, the, in the flashbacks, so 10,000 years after any Zelda game ever, all the other timelines, mm-hmm. it is a little funny that 10,000 years, shouldn't we be like holograms? And, well, <laughs> to some degree, we are. I can, I can speak on that, but okay. well, I'll let you keep going here. Um, um, when when uh, the community, when Zelda and the inhabitants of Hyrule find these guardians, they're built. They're un- unearthing them as if they're ancient relics, ten thousand years, mm-hmm. and they're like ancient robots, basically. If you think about them that way, so much so that the the Sheikah and the the Hylians that are um, the Hylians, pardon me, that are finding these robots, they're reverse engineering them the same way you would if you found like a a buried tesla car or something okay. like i don't know <laughs> yeah. you know what i mean um they're trying to figure out how this stuff works and they're not necessarily powering any of these things like with magic now magic and technology is a little bit gray in the legend of zelda series in general mm-hmm. a lot of times there will be technological metaphors but they'll be executed with a drop of goop yeah you know what i mean <laughs> so so that's, that's all i have to say about that so the where well, the current timeline is now is yeah. ten thousand years plus 100 10, uh, past any Zelda stuff that we know in our common knowledge. So where does that lead you? Well, as, as my experience with Zelda is not as as wide as yours, uh, it's it. I see where Jordan's coming from. It always feels like the same sort of. Okay, let me let me. Oh, it's always just kind of like Eastern European. Yeah, like, let me let me go off of this. Uh, Jim and I have discussed this. I don't think we've ever talked about it on the show. Star Wars, yeah, has ten thousand years of continuity. But it's always Jedi's, a Millennium Falcon, <laughs> yeah. and lasers. Like there, there's no I think I see advancement in the lore because people like what they like. They're not interested yeah. in expanding that. Star Trek traditionally, if you go from the original series, hundred years later, you get Next Generation. There is a difference in the technology. They like Star Trek yeah. has developed as humanity would develop, and therefore there's a history. Technology gets better. Mm-hmm. You can see old school versus new school, and and so t- my criticism of Star Wars is that it's just uh, is the universe any different in Knights of the Old Republic, which I know isn't canon anymore. But is Knights of the Old Republic? I enjoy any that different? legend very much. <laughs> What's that? It's, <laughs> it's, it's part of Star Wars legend. Yeah, it's so. a Star Wars legend. Yeah, uh-huh. but is Knights of the Old Republic? any different than new hope or rise of skywalker right 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 no it's the same sort of thing so to go back to zelda i think i see where jordan might be coming from in terms of it all just feels like swords and magic and fighting monsters and she said uh, steampunk so i'd like to think we're talking more more like okay I think the, Breath of the Wild gets close to the steampunk thing with yeah. your your robots powered by magical goop, essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but let's, thinking, let's go. Let's get more technical with let's it. Let's think gunpowder. Yeah. Let's think. Let's think machinery. Let's think cars. Yeah. Like, yeah, cars going yeah. along. There's a motorcycle in Breath of the Wild, but it's, really, it's, okay, yeah, there is. <laughs> I didn't know this. I didn't know. <laughs> um, there's a motorcycle in Breath of the Wild, but you uh, feed it food, and that converts into this magical energy. Okay. You know, I mean, so that's why I'm saying it's kind of like this yeah. weird gray space. Let's let's think. It let's, does not run on combustible. It doesn't right. seem to run on like a you know combustible engine or whatever. If if I'm understanding the demand correctly, it's can you t- can you take 
Zelda, Le- The Legend of Zelda, yeah. out of this era that seems to be going forever okay. and jump it ahead to the point where there are people in suits and ties and fedoras. Yeah, I hear you. And even if it's a, a make it more pulp, like Indiana Jones, which which tends to be, you know, it's that 30s, 40s revolvers and steam engines. Mm-hmm. Or are we going to like the gangster era, era and moving up a little more? I'm not saying it, uh, Legend of Zelda Hyrule doesn't exist in our world, right? It's it's a fantasy world. So I'm not saying we have to take Zelda and drop him into, or drop Link. I know the difference. Not drop Link <laughs> into 1930s Chicago and oh, yeah. have him be shooting a Tommy gun. Because there are YouTube videos out there where people have fun and it's like modern Zelda. Yeah, and they yeah. kind of reinterpret the metaphors and the aesthetics, you know. All of a sudden, Link is like a guy in a green hoodie and Ganondorf is some redhead that's just like a badass a bag, or something. Yeah, yeah. And, and so so is there a way with your your extraordinary knowledge of the Zelda lore? Well, it's to, getting there. I wasn't when we yeah. started the show, but I'm starting to know a lot about this dang game series. Yeah. Um, I, I wasn't aware that there was like... Robots if, and motorcycles yeah. and Breath of the Wild? How I, I dare did, you? I didn't know. But <laughs> if you're thinking like... Um, what what is the Mad Max version of sure. of Zelda? What is the what is the I look at um uh, 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 Red Dead Redemption from uh-huh. from Xbox play you know the video game you start you're just Wild West shooting up you go to Mexico but there the last level is you actually go to the city and there's Model T's putting along and whatnot yeah one little fun one fun factoid or connection to Red Dead Redemption two specifically mm-hmm. is that when um, IG Enuma and the development team were creating Breath of the Wild they said that they were playing a lot of Skyrim mm. and so there was some things that, that were informing world, their experience yeah. when they were creating the Breath of the Wild sequel which will be coming out in about a year um, IG Enuma has said point blank they've been playing a lot of Red Dead Redemption 2 okay and they were, you know, somewhat inspired by some of the things happening there. I think there's a lot of things going on in Breath of the Wild. I think there's, I think there's some portal type things going on in Breath of the Wild too. Mm-hmm. I think there's a little bit of Shadow of the Colossus happening in Breath of the Wild. I mean, not Breath of the Wild too, just Breath of the Wild. But ultimately, I think Breath of the Wild does kind of evoke some of that Skyrim, like if you can see a mountain, you can go to it and climb it yeah. feeling. And when Skyrim first came out, a lot of people say like, oh, it's, it's the adult version of Zelda. You know, okay, fine. So I think what we have to say here, uh, TC, is like, what exactly is the studio demanding so that we can stay focused? Yeah. Um, and secondly, what? how far are we willing to stretch these metaphors? Because the truth is, with if, if we're going all the way out, it's mm-hmm. like, well, we got a bad guy, a good guy. We have a person who's wise, a person who's courageous, and a person who seeks power. Right. If we go that far out, I think it's we might be going too far. Yeah. You know what I mean? Those are the core things, but what, what, what are some of the tropes and things that create, first of all, a Zelda game, but then I guess is the studio demanding a Zelda film? No, it says a story. So we could consider this a game and, and I don't, let's, I don't think we necessarily need to, essentially it sounds like come up with a premise. Yeah. Whether it could be a game or a movie is up to our determination. Interesting. But let, let's, let's consider, okay, if I'm right, yeah. If I remember Wind Waker correctly, which I didn't play, I only watched people play. Okay. You're not Link. You are the reincarnation of Link? You're a Link. So there's okay. many, many Links that exist in the timeline. Okay. So Link is like this kind of reincarnate. Um, so 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 Ganon is, there was this really big bad guy in the beginning of the timeline. His name was Demise. His spirit continues to repossess or rebirth uh, these creatures that become the bad guy Ganon and Ganondorf. That's the quick version. Link and Zelda are almost always a new corporal creature, mm-hmm. um, but 
<laughs> the fact that they're named Link and Zelda, we're just going to look past that. Yeah. <laughs> but the idea is that in the lore, I'm going to name my son Link. Link and just, just maybe he'll become the hero. Please be the hero yeah. of time. Yeah, exactly. Like how many links to <laughs> how many other links does Link meet that didn't yeah. that weren't the one? Um, and so you know that aside. Most of the time, so Wind Waker, I will say this, Wind Waker was the first time in release order, because mm-hmm. the games aren't released in chronological order, or timeline order, in release order, Wind Waker is the first time that the game, that any Zelda game directly um, addressed the idea that there's multiple links. Okay. And by saying multiple links, they don't know of each other most of the time. It's just reincarnation. Yeah, there's a few Zelda games where there's direct sequels. Majora's Mask is the same link as Ocarina. Yes. The Adventure of Link for the Nintendo is the same link as uh, the original The Legend of Zelda. Yeah. Uh, there's one or two others. Obviously, I think it's going to be the same link in Breath of the Wild 2. Mm-hmm. So there are sequel games, but it's the idea... They've streamlined this continuity to say this is a reincarnated spirit that keeps coming back. Yeah, and it's almost like more of a destiny with Link. Mm -hmm. So the reason I brought up Ganondorf a minute ago is because he's kind of like a reincarnate spirit. There is an evil spirit living in the ether that that can then finds ways to manifest itself, be it through a force of nature like Ganon, or be it through a a, a corporal being like a Ganondorf, and and various degrees of that, even within a single game. Zelda and Link are more like these kind of prophecies or destinies that get fulfilled. There is n- there is not a magic spark that lives in the universe that then travels to a, a another creature. To okay. Yeah, yeah. You see where I'm going with this? Yeah, yeah. In fact, in many ways, Zelda has maybe a little bit of that kind of connection. There's almost a metaphorical bloodline. There's almost a little bit of a bloodline. Mm-hmm. But with Link, when there's a new Link, there's almost always... No connection at all. And I think the reason they do that is so that there can be a bit of like the hero discovering himself. There's not a lot of entitlement with Link. When, yeah, when there's I a understand. new Link, he has to start that journey over each time. So there's a, there is a precedent for this then. So we could yeah. take this timeline into some sort of future. Absolutely. Uh, and in fact, the Link in Wind Waker, he's reluctant when he gets, the grandma actually gives him the green clothes at yeah. the beginning of the game. And he, he, he frowns at it. He's Aww. like, "What? Wow, this is so lame. It's so dumb." <laughs> I don't want to be Link. Yeah, he did. I'm a reluctant be. hero. <laughs> a reluctant hero. He is. He's 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 the first time Link got a little bit of attitude. And then he, he <laughs> well, did. no, we know the first time Link got some attitude. Excuse yeah. me, princess. <laughs> All right. So where where to take this? I like the idea of imagining. See, I know Jim's gonna be disappointed if we set this in like a Wild West sort of like a a weird West in a yeah, way. Yeah. Yeah. So Twilight, Jim would be Twilight, here like, oh, I wanted, I wanted to be there for something like that. Yeah, Twilight Princess does have some guns and some crossbows and Wild West towns and mm-hmm, stuff. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if we can define our aesthetics just on like time frame. It's, okay. it's difficult. But anyway, keep going. Well, then, then to go beyond that and look at a more well, steampunk is what specifically what Jordan called yeah. out. Yeah, um, we can so, go that route. So imagining we're in some sort of 20th century Legend of Zelda mm-hmm. that we have the. The idea of big cities, like a like a like Hyrule, is no longer Hyrule Kingdom. It's Hyrule City. It's like New York. It's almost sure. a it's almost a Manhattan esque, yeah. and and having alchemists and magic and whatnot. It okay. sort of evokes. I don't know if you're familiar with Avatar: the Last Airbender and The Legend of Korra. Uh, less so. Okay. Um. It's 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 sort of feels like we're going in that direction because Avatar: The Last Airbender. There's there's a, an advancement in time to Legend of Korra. Oh, I didn't know that. There's yeah. a new new type of bending that's metal. 
Um, it's a subversion of, of rack bending. Oh, interesting. Well, uh, or earth sense. bending. Okay. Yeah. And so it, it feels more gangsters, fedoras and ties yeah. and neckties and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not, not specifically saying that's where we should take Zelda, but just starting with Hyrule being a Manhattan type okay. big city Let's go there. that also has, um, magic to it that it's, yeah. it's skyscrapers, it's police officers, yeah. it's, it's uh, shops that with it's cabbies, but so, there's also yeah. Deku shrubs like walking around and Gorgons like Gorgons, Gorons, uh, Gorons, Gorons. You're good. Go- Gorons like walking around like it's more of a of a, a melting pot now and less of separate. Let's figure. We can figure kingdoms. this out without making it be Final Fantasy VII. Right. I mean, my head does kind of go in that direction, <laughs> but similar vibe there. Right. Like, and also, let's decide right off the bat here. What mm-hmm. are we doing? Movie game? What are we doing? If it's if it's film, I'm okay with it because we almost might need some focus. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Let's let's consider this a film in just in hopes that Zelda fans aren't going to be as pissed off as Uncharted fans. When Uncharted was greenlit to be a, a movie starring Robert De Niro and Mark Wahlberg what? in in the night in like 2018 oh, maybe. gangster where people are like, this isn't Uncharted at all. What are you doing? It's like, we just wanted the IP. Just wanted the IP. <laughs> so all right. So let's consider it a film. Um and maybe it'll be the spirits within of of Zelda storylines. <laughs> Besides, and we also then we're gonna totally ignore this concept. Like our previous conversation a year ago was make a Zelda film. Right. And mostly what we were figuring out was like, that's a terrible idea. Don't do it. Don't but do if it. If you're going to. <laughs> is there is there a way? Yeah. All right. Yeah. So I think let's consider this some sort TC? of. Yeah. I'm going to pivot. Ooh. I'm going to request a pivot. Okay. I don't want to get caught. I think what's going to accidentally happen is for the next hour, we're going to accidentally try to justify it being a film. Mm-hmm. Let's make a game. Okay. I'm cool with that. You know what I, I mean? My, my heart said game, but yeah. I felt like you were asking well, I, for it. Well, at first I thought, oh, at least a film, we only have to come up with two hours of content. Yeah. With a game, we have to come up with 40 hours of content. But I don't think that's really the task at hand I here. think it's premise. Yeah, right? exactly. So exactly. Setting, painting a picture of the world yeah. and, and giving a general idea of where does Link need the to studio, go. The studio, we've got a lot of cross-media yeah. platforms. Yeah. The studio is demanding a Zelda game that is... What a hundred years, it, thousand she, years? She after. said a hundred years or so, but um, I, I think I understand her. Yeah, I get her it. As, as the big saying, the big joke in Zelda games, by the way, is like every time you turn around, another hundred years passes, even right. within a single game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. you know what I mean. <laughs> but anyway, so let's let's start with our big city of Hyrule. Okay. It's 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 an island city. It's no longer a kingdom. It is it is New York City essentially. Okay, here we go. We're even going to put it in the timeline. Okay, okay. But we're not going to put it after Breath of the Wild. We're going to, I think we should put it after Spirit Tracks. So in the Wind Waker uh, timeline, because there is a portion there where there's like three different multiple universes. I was aware of that. (laughs) Everybody knows now. Uh, In the Wind Waker timeline, and remember, Wind Waker does acknowledge that it exists, um, um, it exists, the Ocarina of Time, Hyrule, is flooded over and like new, there's like a new disparate islands above. Yeah. In fact, you go down and see old Hyrule, which is Ocarina. All right. So Wind Waker then is a direct sequel, though it's a different, it's a direct universe sequel to Phantom Hourglass. Mm. But I believe, and Phantom Hourglass is the same link. As Wind Waker? As Wind Waker. Gotcha. Yeah, it happens right after. Mm -hmm. However, and that was a game that came out for the DS. Uh, There was a sequel to that game called Spirit Tracks, also for the DS, but that one happens 
100 years later. <laughs> and um, at the end of Phantom Hourglass, basically Hyrule's gone. Everything's flooded over. However, at the end of Phantom Hourglass, Link and a few people find literally what's called New Hyrule. They find a new island. And in Phantom Hourglass, uh, society is built. There's steamships. There's okay, train okay. engines. So we have, all right. So this is in New Hyrule, the Phantom Hourglass. The main mechanic is you're on these trains, but let's go from there. Let's go. Yeah, let's jump on that yeah, timeline. Because it's a pretty blank canvas, honestly. Great. Okay, so we found a place in continuity where this yeah. could work. So yeah. it's Wind Waker up to... Up New to, Hyrule. We don't yeah. have any real definitions of what the landmass is like. New, we know it's a big island. That's yeah. what gave me the thought. New York, New Hyrule. It's kind of working out I'm here. I'm fine with it. Yeah. All so right. we have skyscrapers. We're, we're a, a thousand years ahead of, of this. So now okay. it's, it is steam engine trains and... and Old school, like very early stage automobiles. Yeah. Um, but having that uh, that steampunk aesthetic of like, there's still magic. There's still mm-hmm. there's vendors on the street corner, like yes. bottles. Get your bottles here. Get your red potion that gives get you your life. Red, yeah, like, get your blue hey, potion. Your hey, purple hey, potion. Hey, you want uh, some purple potion here? It's <laughs> yeah. uh, pretty hot stuff. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Okay. Let's go with this. Yeah. So it's new Hyrule exists. So. What's the threat? What what could a threat be? It's got to be. Do we want Ganon to be to find some modern equivalent of? So you always can, kind of, yeah. you kind of as a Zelda fan, you always want it to be Ganon. Yeah, yeah. In this particular timeline, um, the main baddie ends up becoming this character. I think its name is Bellum, but I'm a little gray on this timeline. Mm-hmm. Honestly, mm-hmm. I might be might be coming up with the wrong bad guy. Um, but it's not Ganon for a couple of games, basically. Yeah. Ganondorf is in Wind Waker. Ganondorf is defeated at the end of Wind Waker. Mm-hmm. He turns into stone or whatever. Um, in Phantom Hourglass, the direct sequel, it's this Bellum. It's some weird like eyeball creature yeah, with okay. tentacles, blah, blah, blah. So I say we re- we unlock Ganondorf. We bring him back. Like, break well, him I think out it's of the a stone. new one. I think we, like, yeah. we bring a yeah, we don't even necessarily bring him back. I think we just start a new one. It's demise coming through. How about in New Hyrule? Why how, does how about this this new Ganondorf yeah. comes back and is is just shocked by the advancement of like what is this? This I don't like this new modern stuff. I want to return the world to how I knew it before. Okay. I want to burn it to the ground. If we're gonna do that, let's have it be the same Ganondorf from Wind Waker, and he's been frozen in the stone, and for reasons he becomes unfrozen. Yeah, that so, way we have a little bit of the time travel out of water thing. May, maybe there's like a, a a cult of Ganondorf who who have gone, they've searched to yep. unlock uh, unlock the yep. unlock him and find him to bring him back, and he's like, I hate this. All these giant cities that can't see the sun. Okay, I uh, I don't like all this technology and an industry. I want to return to the green fields of of what I loved before. I wanted to conquer that. So Ganondorf, uh, regardless of his in incarnation, most of the time he always comes from. Even though there's different versions of him, mm-hmm. you know, throughout time. You fast forward ten thousand years, fine. But every time he's he's uh, comes into existence, he comes from uh, the Gerudo Desert. Okay, and he comes from a desert land. Yeah, and um. In Ocarina of Time, he he's not particularly happy in the desert, and he wants to take over Hyrule. Fine, that story's a little simple. Sure. In Wind Waker, which is after all of that, uh, Ganondorf, he loses the desert because of the flooding mm-hmm. and wants to take the islands. All right, fine. So he's always coming from the desert. He's coming from the Gerudo. Um, 
there's a in Breath of the Wild, there's a group of people that are like Zelda or uh, Ganondorf cult people. They're called the Yiga clan. Good. Okay. They're the opposite of the Sheikah. The Sheikah are the good people. Mm-hmm. Um, the Yiga were Sheikah, but then they turned. Yeah. They went turned. to the dark side. They basically went to the dark side. <laughs> um, and I think they're going to resurrect him in Breath of the Wild too. So, okay. so it sounds derivative if we go there. To have the cult resurrect. Well, we either do the thing where it's, as George Lucas so famously said, it rhymes. It rhymes. It's like poetry. Or we go a different way. So what if... um, What if he accidentally gets unlocked out of the stone? All right, can we... Is it like, yeah, can it be like construction? Yeah, yeah. Like, like <laughs> there's like the stone of Ganondorf is underground and yeah. like construction. And they just... Unearths they just him. Inadvertently crack open a... Okay, they they stumble upon it. They crack it open. Maybe maybe they're like digging foundation. And, TC. And, yeah. What if New Hyrule already has inhabitants? New Hyrule already. Yeah, already has inhabitants. Absolutely. I'm saying this is a big. Oh wait, are you saying what if the land that Lincoln's oh, discovered indigenous people have already has something going on? Yeah. Is that good or bad? I don't know. Is well, that too much to set up in the in the story of this game? I think there that that. Seen it as could be game. anyone and anything. Yeah, there's no it, rules. Seen as a game would have like extensive story to be telling. I do like the idea that there that Link could potentially come from the original inhabitants of the island, That's right? Because he he's drawn there. Yeah, like it's a new Link in Phantom Hourglass. So we're kind of doing a sequel to Phantom Hourglass, but not exactly. Yeah, we could. We don't. It doesn't have to be the same Link. It could be. Because this be, is why I thought Indigenous people. Pardon me. Yeah. Um. Because if it's just Link and Zelda and some folks. Oh. And we're going forward 100 years, a city that does not make. You see where I'm going with this? I, I think if, okay, hear, hear me out here. Yeah. Uh, industry has taken over. It is it is, it is is a dirty, polluted city. They're digging foundation. They accidentally crack open uh, Ganon's, uh, Ganondorf's. He, his essence comes out mm-hmm. and possesses some construction worker. And he's going to be like, okay. the, so a little bit I'm of with a, you. yeah. Now Link, our new Link comes from, a group of people who are the the indigenous ancient people of this island yeah. that lost all their land when colonialism took over. And this is an opportunity. I'm talking to you, studio, and I think you're going to love this. A, 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 a person of color to play Link for the first time. Sure, sure. I know th- I know the history would want to see the, the blonde hair, blue-eyed hero of time, but... We can still get him in the green. We can still have him have all the 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 visual embodiments of Link. But has there been As a, a Link who isn't a blonde-haired, blue-eyed? Not that there's anything wrong with Link being this. He always is. Yeah, having having him be an indigenous person. There are races mm-hmm. in um in Zelda games like the Gerudo and things sure, like that. Sure, there's never a direct. I mean, honestly. In the Legend of Zelda games, a race is fish people. Sure. Bird people. Right, right, right. <laughs> so it could be all over the place. Yeah. Um, to say to say a person of color, I think, is interesting, but I don't even know if that vernacular exists in the Zelda universe. In the Zelda universe. So I, I'm I'm merely suggesting that it's it's like it could be a fish person. I'm I'm suggesting it still be human. Like yeah. that, that, a Hillian? that Link still be a Hillian. Um, well, okay, wait, yeah. here we go. Okay, all right, all right. What if Link is a Gerudo? Okay, because Gerudo comes from Ganon's ilk, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. That kind of thing. Oh, we're not so different, you and I. <laughs> let's, let's try this. Let's try this. Yeah. Uh, we have a, we, so now, so now, this is where it gets even weirder. So historically in Zelda games, 
uh, the, the Gerudo tribe, they're almost always all women. Mm-hmm. And every 100 years, this is canon, yeah. a male is born. Okay. So what if the new male on new Hyrule, we're, th- it's, we're thinking, we're even introduced to this character thinking it's going to be, I guess, the new Ganondorf. Yeah. But it's and now not. this is the journey. The reluctant hero. I'm not saying it's Ganondorf. Right. I'm saying that spiritually it's Link. But this character, a Gerudo, a male Gerudo, ends up taking this journey. This is kind of interesting. It's it's suggesting that. Oh, and if we're thinking gameplay here, you got a little bit of fable action here in okay. terms of like which path do you take? Do you embrace the the uh, destiny of the male, the every century male Gerudo who tends to lean towards becoming an evil guy? Yeah. Or do you embrace the goodness that is that is the embodiment of Link. Mm-hmm. So there's a little bit of how are you going to play this game, good or bad. Okay, so what if Ganondorf is not discovered accidentally, but he's sought out by our main character? That Link this, seeks yeah, him out? Yeah, it's a statue of Ganondorf from Wind Waker, 100 years old, for reasons I don't know yet, some motivation. Yeah. He's He tries to find that statue to unlock it. Maybe that's the turning point where our reluctant hero thinks he's finding a certain destiny, hence yeah. a Gerudo destiny or a, or a Ganondorf destiny. Oh. But this is now a turning point for reasons that we need to decide. Mm-hmm. He doesn't agree with Ganondorf, and he accidentally becomes the link through 40 yes. hours of gameplay. The, 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 yeah, your first mission is you are, the, you are, uh, you are starting You're the this new game. Gerudo. You're whatever. the new male Gerudo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And embrace your destiny. Um, and, and, and seek, and he's, he feels a call. He's drawn mm-hmm. to the city. Away from the 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 less developed area, drawn to the island, drawn to the statue, yes. cracks it open, ready to embrace what he's holds been destined. Holds up desti- a stone, holds yeah. up a whatever, and then freaking Gandorf comes out and is like, "Let's burn it down!" And then I got it. And then our character's like, "I don't think I want to do this." No, here and it this is. is my fault. I got it, TC. I yeah, got yeah. it. Um, so you know, uh, just real quick as a quick aside, structurally. Um, many of the classic Zelda games before Breath of the Wild would have an hour or two of what would basically be training levels, you know, teach you how to use the bow, teach you how to use the whatever. Right. Go around town, find a cat, find a goop of a thing, find a, find a sword, find a shield, that stuff, right? Yeah. Okay, so that can all be expressed as this young Gerudo being trained by the women of the tribe mm-hmm. on all these things, and it's him growing up and fi- trying to figure out his existence. Sure. And he has... So Link, Zelda, and Ganondorf famously have the Triforce um, like on their the opposite side of their palm. What's what is the other side of your hand from your top, palm? Tap your hand. Tap your hand. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess so. Um, and they those those Triforces only glow. They kind of actually hover above the hand. It's not like the skin is glowing mm-hmm. almost, in almost every Zelda game when they're depicted. Um, they almost only glow at either very important times or when they come close to each other. It's a little bit of the the Temple of Doom thing. Yeah. So, our new Ganon, our, our, our new main character, um, for, for a certain reason, an hour into gameplay, at a certain point when he realizes his destiny, he gets a, the glowing ooh, Triforce. Ooh, ooh, yeah. And it's, uh, you know, there's a Triforce the th- of the three triangles. Let's just say it's the lower left mm-hmm. triangle. He says, okay, I got you know, I got my mission or I got my thing. He goes and seeks out this uh, almost deity like now statue of this uh this uh Ganondorf from yeah. the Wind Waker time from old Hyrule. Oh, do, imagine this level of having to go subterranean just going like starting in the city and going lower through the sewers yeah. and through the rock. It's and true. To, and to yeah like and Ganon 
Dorf, I think, was defeated in Wing Waker. If we want to get really technical, down in old Hyrule underwater, so oh, he's down at the bottom of the ocean. He's go through all the games, essentially. Like, 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 to some degree. Yeah. I mean, you might even have some fun taking your 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 Gerudo character into back into a little bit of Ocarina Hyrule, but as, you know... Uh, it's a thousand years. A thousand later. years of, of water over it or whatever. Yeah. That's fine. We don't spend too much time there. But here's the here's the thing that's exciting. Now, I said the triangle to the lower left. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe I'm getting these in the right place. I could be wrong. The point is, when our new main character gets to the Ganondorf... Um, statue. Statue. Yeah. He uses a talisman or whatever, a book, an instrument, probably a flute. Mm-hmm. He probably plays he, a flute. He plays some music. I'm just joking. It's an electric yeah. guitar. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. Um, there was only one electric guitar and it was in Majora's Mask. Thank you very there much. You go. <laughs> it was made of fish and it was played by a fish person. This is all true. <laughs> okay. Anyway. So he plays um, some sort of instrument. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Unless the thing, let's just say it's an instrument. And um, when the Ganondorf, when Ganondorf from Wind Waker will say, comes to be, he's not particularly evil or against anything. Mm-hmm. He's kind of... Also, by the way, I just want to say real quick, in the Legend of Zelda series, the Ganondorf that is portrayed in Wind Waker is the most realist... Like, the most... He's he's a guy. Yeah. He doesn't really have any real magic. He does a few little things here. He might do a little force push here mm-hmm. and there, but he's not like, boom, transforming into huge pigs and stuff like that. <laughs> right. In fact, when he is a pig... At the end of the game, it's like a puppet. It's all kind of physically motivated. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. A little bit, yeah. a little bit. And so in Wind Waker, that Ganondorf is famous for being like a guy. And he's the closest Ganondorf we ever get to sympathizing with a Ganondorf. He's lost his land. He's just trying to get his land back. He's, for all, th- with the exception of a few moments of violence, he's even rational with Link when he when they oh, meet. I'm, I'm liking this. <laughs> so this Ganondorf comes out of his stone or whatever. <laughs> yeah. By the way, he was stabbed in the head head at the end of wind waker so maybe we have to deal with that maybe we don't Mm -hmm. um i don't know if i don't remember if the sword stays there or not maybe maybe the flipping sword comes out i don't know magic and he's still maybe this is where link gets his sword maybe this is where our link character gets his sword so that's kind of interesting i like this that's the motivation to get the sword okay 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 he sword in the stones it out of ganondorf god yes and ganondorf comes to be yeah and he's grateful yeah oh my gosh and they start to talk and bond and figure things out until yeah Ganondorf realizes that Ganondorf's hand is glowing. Now, why would two Triforces glow? He looks at our hero's character and sees that the Triforce of Power, which is what Ganondorf's is, is not the one that's glowing. It's the Triforce of Courage. Okay. Which is Link's Triforce. So the Ganon that we just unlocked... Still has the power. Still has the power. And he's cool with our new main character. Yeah, but then he Until sees he notices your... the worst thing he could ever see ever <laughs> is that our hero emblem, so to speak, is appearing on our main character. The one that shows that our character has courage, mm-hmm. does not seek power. Yeah. Therein our adventure begins. He And he realizes, you are my sworn enemy. Yeah. <laughs> I would... by, by default. Yeah. Even if he likes the guy. Yeah. Um, so where do we go from there? Oh my god! I, so I think this is good. Yeah, I think we got something. I think there's there's two places to go here, and um, I think are we I, at close we'll, to our break we'll, already? We're gonna take our break right oh my here. Goodness. Here's two things to think about. We're gonna take a break right here. One, what's the main weapon that that our Link uses? Okay. And two, Zelda. We haven't brought Zelda in yet. Yeah, I think that'll that is gonna push it over the edge because as far as like setup of our of our getting our hero on the journey, getting to our villain, and unlocking that. 
honestly, we're exploring this this world, this yeah. pseudo modern magical world, just to get to here. And yeah. once we do this, we're about to crack open the plot. Like this, the game starts. Like we've all, all the training is up to this I point. I think we found this. Yeah. yeah. This is the point where in Ocarina of Time, Link is launched to the future, right? Like this is, I suppose it's yeah. the turning point in the game. Yeah. So two things, what's our main weapon? I think that's important. And Zelda. And we can discuss some other tropes such as like, mm-hmm. is Navi involved here? What are the, the Zora people? What's the damn water temple? And we'll come back to we that. We could bring some of that back. Yeah. And also I want to say just before we go to break, I want to assume a, for the Zelda fans out there, um, a classic Zelda game meaning one with temples one yes. that's fairly narrative yes. one that's fairly straightforward. that's what i was thinking that unlike the breath of the wild experience which is all very open, open. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah i was totally thinking temples Let's too because getting down to ganon is, Could, is that's it, your like three temples that yeah. you always do you yeah. know what i mean it's yeah. the three temples in a link's awakening before you go to the dark world it's the three temples in ocarina of time before you go to the future yeah it's usually a thing that happens yeah. so let's take a quick break here we got some stuff to think about i'm like this is, this is fun this, in premise this. alone this is fun aesthetically i think the weapon is gonna is gonna get us into deeper into the weeds yeah. here so we'll be right and back we gotta, and we got to get a title for this oh they, they always oh, yeah. they always title the games after they make the game based Good. on how the game works so we have to title <laughs> this thing at the end okay? all right all right all right we'll be right back folks enjoy this uh quick little commercial break and there is where tc and i cut for break when we come back we explore what zelda means to the, the story um we I, I recall having some pretty interesting um revelations on what the new link would mean to uh to ganondorf the, like their relationship later on and how do you how do you take basically how do you get because because it's a video game you have to get to a point where there's like a big boss battle at the end and tc and i had a lot of fun trying to figure out and find a way to get to that point where in which the audience would be comfortable playing as this new link and battling the old Ganon or Ganondorf. Anyways, again, if you are interested in listening to the second half of this episode or the rest of this episode, go on over to Studio Demands It. You can find them on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and or you can go to their actual website, studiodemandsit.com, a link where I have a link. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm getting a little tongue-tied here. Pardon me, I'm trying to record kind of quickly. Um, uh, you, can, you can go and click the link right in the description here that I have. And that'll bring you right over to, if I can swing it, right over to this exact episode. But at least, at the very least, it'll send you over to the Studio Demands It. Um, You know, I'm going to send it to the website. I'm going to send it to the Studio Demands It website so that you can choose if you want to listen on iTunes, or I mean, you know, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. Okay, everybody. Thank you so much. And um, until, until our next full episode, okay, bye.